Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Coach Tom. We are Team Bench. Thank you for joining us for Episode 2, Season 3 of Ted Lasso. This episode, Tom, I'm going to let you do the honors because you have a <laughs> special affinity. So go ahead. What was this one called? The episode called Chelsea, but it had in parentheses before, I don't want to go to Chelsea. Right. Like a Taylor Swift song. You just add the parentheses <laughs> and it makes the title much longer and much more confusing. Is this a reference to something? Obviously, they play Chelsea in this episode, but what is the I don't want to go to Chelsea yeah, it's a Zava line at the very end where he's like, I don't want to play here kind of a thing, and then ultimately chooses Richmond. So I think that's what they're they're doing. Interesting. Okay. Well, the reason I said that Tom has an affinity for this is because Tom follows football, and Tom, your team is? Is Chelsea, the Blue Lions of London. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. This was really fun to see them featured, and you know the fact that they've got the Premier League rights and are using these teams is great. Um, seeing Stamford Bridge, their their home stadium was really cool too. Uh, the crowd, which are very awesome fans, doing the Roy chant later that we'll get to. Uh, it was it was super fun. It's, they didn't have any Chelsea players, which is kind of a bummer. It would have been cool if they had like a little cameo from uh, a guy or two, but it seemed like the guys in the field were either actors or maybe like second team Chelsea players. Nobody that I recognized. Sure, sure. It's like in the Dark Knight Rises when Heinz Ward and Ben Roethlisberger are on the field. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I looked for him, too. I didn't recognize any of the players as well. I will say that Chelsea's probably got the best colors of any team in the Premier League of the three that I'm aware of. So (laughs) I'll give them that. And uh, this was, I'll start off by saying, an extremely enjoyable episode. Mm -hmm. Once again, I came into this season a little bit... Uh, tepid just based on my season two impressions but I really enjoyed this episode I got to watch it twice and there's something about it with the way the jokes hit the way we have like all our main cast members like enjoying being with each other and Mm -hmm. we don't have any weird like panic attacks but (laughs) we just get to see the people and characters we love like hang out and handle things and i enjoyed this immensely and there's just so many funny lines <laughs> and i mean the beard shriek like go to that well <laughs> go to that well as often as possible uh it's so good when he does that brendan hunt it's great, great and like shriek. to your yeah to your point like this is a fun loving great episode where they are just punching up every possible scene with jokes and i am here for it and i love the idea that this episode was so great and who did it not really feature that much and who was kind of a background character ted like ted was there and he was providing advice here or there but it's letting these other characters breathe and, and adding some more interesting story beats and elements what we kind of see with roy i thought was just fantastic and so well written it's great. I think it's going to be what we're going to echo the entire season is how at the very end, you know, he may not feel that he's needed here because he's made all of these people better. And it was just a fun, fun ride. I agree. I agree. The one character I thought you were going to say didn't play a huge role was Nate, which um, I think we can all agree. We don't need Nate <laughs> in this show. We don't need the also Death true. Star Nate. But um, <laughs> I agree with you. It, it was fun to It was fun to see Ted not be like emotionally broken Ted it was fun to see Ted as coach Ted where he's pulling people aside giving good advice and 
cracking jokes, making wise. No, making mm-hmm. wise. I don't know how that goes. <laughs> Anyways, let's go through it, Tom, because once again, this was a lovely, lovely episode. Speaking of lovely, we start at the offices of KJPR, which I believe is a law <laughs> firm. I'm not real sure what happens in this office <laughs> other than it's decorated well and they spend a lot on flowers. Maybe it's a funeral home. I don't know. Um, But we have this relationship that I feel like they're going to dive in and this is going to be kind of Keeley's storyline through the season. At least Mm -hmm. part of it is her and this Barbara. Barbara, straight laced, no fun. Keeley, all fun. (laughs) And whatever the opposite of straight laced is. And Keeley's trying to get her office staff to loosen up and have fun. And I think it's important that she like brings this up to Ted because Ted... Ted knows how to handle these situations, so he gives her some mm-hmm. he gives her some good advice about going to an escape room. Yeah, I like it too because I think uh, yeah, Keeley's much more like crooked Velcro than the straight laced nice. staff that she has. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> what we do here. That's what AFC Richmond does: crab cakes and football. Oh man, um, num, 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 you num. are my sack lunch, Tom. All right. <laughs> We then go to a different office. It's Rebecca's office. And boy, is it just lovely to see Trent Krim. He's back, mm. baby. Uh, Rebecca, <laughs> Lasso, Keely Higgins, the whole the whole group is there. And I got to be honest, they didn't have any Trent Krim in episode one. Mm-hmm. We have kind of, hey, this is what Trent's going to be doing this season. He's going to be around a lot. He's writing a book. I love this. I love that they brought him in to do this. And I am excited to see uh, as much Trent Krim as they'll give us. Yeah, and apparently uh, Lasso says there's a Ziploc bag of hair ties in the Lost and Found, so if he wants to get those back, he can go and pick them up. <laughs> His <laughs> hair I'm, is a little bit less mane It's a little it bit less line mane, but it's still mm-hmm. still beautiful. Yeah, but yeah, I loved this concept and idea of bringing Trent back to have him you know, write the memoir of Lasso, and like probably that's how they're going to tie this whole thing together with him maybe reading a book poetically like he did in his article in one of the first season episodes when he had his interview with Ted. It's such a cool concept. Um, I like how they broke the ice with Roy and him throughout this episode. And yeah, I just, I want more Trent Cram. He's, he's the best. Yeah. And I would definitely read a book about AFC Richmond's rise or perpetual Mm -hmm. plateau or fall, whatever's going to happen here. I'm all for it. Tom, this brings us to the Tom and Julian reading quarter where we discuss what our favorite sports books are. And I will give you the floor for you to tell me that you don't read books, but I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite? What was a book turned into a movie that you saw? Because uh, this conversation will go nowhere if I ask you about books. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm not trying to despair you or disparage you because you don't read or don't know how to read. What's I'm your pretty sure the natural, movie? the natural was a book, right? Sure, probably. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to say remember, yes. Remember the Titans? Was that a was that a book? I guarantee it was. Yes. <laughs> then those are the ones that I loved reading. Okay. What's your favorite sports book, Julian? <laughs> oh, it's Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> definitely a sports book. Um, it's about games and people that are hungry. So mm-hmm. that's my favorite. Uh, maybe Friday Night Lights. I don't know. Uh, Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I read Moneyball? Mm. Ooh, I think I fell into my own trap. Did I read Moneyball or did I just watch Moneyball? It doesn't matter. Sports books are great. Everyone loves them. 
especially when they're about small towns and failing uh, ball clubs. So hopefully, do you like the sports books that you read? Do you like the like fiction ones or non-fictions? Like, do you want a documentary book? Oh, I don't think I've ever read a, a not I I don't think I've ever read a fiction sports book. The only sports mm-hmm. books I've read are about like stuff that actually happened, like Hunger Games. Like the Hunger Games. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> gotcha. I like this part where they bring up this idea in front of Trent to Ted and they're like, "Listen, we're all on board. We think it's a great idea." Ted or Trent looks to Ted everyone's mouthing the no silently ted (laughs) the longest beat in the world he looks each of them dead in the face and like he's like it's a great idea yeah uh i love that moment it reminds me of when you're a kid and you like your friends like hey can i come over and you take the kid over to your parents and you're like hey can so and so come over and your parents are just stuck there because the kid's staring at them that's not theirs. that's what this reminded me of a little bit but this is interrupted with some news about, is it Java? Zava? How do we say this gentleman's name? <laughs> it's Zava. Zava. And he's mm-hmm. leaving Juventus. And Ted's line is, what about their kids? Which is just a great <laughs> just a great joke. What is Juventus? What is Java? What's happening here, Tom? So my understanding or thought would be Zava is maybe a kind of placeholder for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which is a uh, very uh, famous... No, 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 no. You don't have to explain. I know who that is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Our audience will know too. It's not like you just made a bunch of random noises and pretended they were uh, a famous, I don't know, tennis player. What's happening here, Tom? He's an incredibly famous footballer who kind of later in his career, I think he jumped back and forth between some teams. I don't know if he played for Juventus, which I believe is an Italian team, um, but he actually currently plays for, if I'm not mistaken, uh, LA Galaxy in the MLS. So kind of like we talked about, some star players kind of later in their career coming to the United States to um, collect a paycheck and, and have some fun in the kind of what I would call a lesser league. Sure. So I'm assuming they're kind of playing on that concept or idea because I do b- believe that Ibrahimovic actually played in the Italian leagues and, and popped around in some teams and even kind of has a look and vibe of Zava with kind of a, a little uh, man bun and kind of slim, tall build. And he walks around with Bane's jacket. <laughs> Such great uh, stylistic choices. That, can, this is why him and JV are going to be like buttonheads, just because of the, the fashion. Right. You can tell I watched The Dark Knight Rises recently because all of my <laughs> references are going to be to that. And to the person who asked, yes, I did take over the Twitter drunkenly one night and just start texting the Justice Department about uh, the Dent Act, um, which Tom has slapped my hand and told me I can no longer tweet late at night, but... That's strike two, buddy. Until he changes the password. It's free game. <laughs> There's some great jokes in here about the office and the reason the reason Zava is joining or at least looking to move to the Premier League is because his wife binge watched the office. And <laughs> Ted has a great joke where uh, he says something about Scranton, Pennsylvania, and they're like, Well, mm-hmm. we did the original office and he's like, Oh yeah, you guys did a pre make over here. Which, like, the way he delivers it makes it sound like they copied us. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's wonderfully written. I thought that joke was great. So great. And we we're obviously big fans of The Office. So it was fun to get an Office reference as well. Yes. So, so much fun. There's a conversation about handfuls of M&Ms and Skittles. Tom, let's talk this out because I think this is mm-hmm. important. Much like sports books, 
Um, actually, you have a little bit more knowledge of this one. When you grab <laughs> M&Ms, what's the right amount of M&Ms to grab? And then same question for Skittles. I'll wait for your response. I feel like M&Ms can last you longer. Skittles seem to, I mean, I was going to say melt in your hand. They don't melt in your hand like an M&M would do, but that hard candy shell really does hold up. In terms of how many I would put in my hand, um, I'd say maybe four to six. But they're not lasting in my hand very long, if I'm being honest. I'm the kind sure. of guy that like opens up candy and just shovels half of it in his mouth. Doesn't uh, doesn't linger. Sure. You like to play that game Kevin plays in the office, where it's how many <laughs> exactly. M&Ms can I fit in my mouth. Uh, there's Winner. your office reference. Drink, everyone. <laughs> I will say this. All M&Ms taste the same. So you can throw them in your mouth in a handful, and you're not mixing anything. Skittles, mm, I feel like you have to mix flavors or know what you're doing. You can't just throw a handful into your mouth. So mm. you have to be very judicious is maybe the right word for Skittles. I don't know, okay. Justice Department, you tell me. Um, <laughs> I just want to point out once again, I love that Trent Crim's back. Uh, he does this great thing to close the scene out where he points out that Rebecca only changed her mind on Zava because Rupert uh, West Ham is going after him. Because before mm-hmm. she's like, ah, we don't really need the drama. Uh, but Rupert wants him. We want him. I, I And Trent like drills in up there. And it's so great to see the journalistic uh, genius of Trent Krim, formerly of The Independent. I love it. And I like how they're doing this. It seems like throughout this whole episode when there's some sort of like dramatic beat or something, like Trent Krim is going to be in the room. So that way when he does write the book kind of at the end, he'll be there for these beats and it'll kind of make more sense how he got this. So I think we'll, he's going to be probably sidling a lot of characters throughout the season. I look forward to it once again. More of him. The only thing I can think about is what his book is going to be titled. And as we talk this evening, I'm going to think of a really good title for it and i'm going to reveal it at the end i'm going to do it on the fly tom so very good uh let's put a pin in that um (laughs) which i think there's still some pins on our from our first season of ted lasso that we never went back to but Uh, we'll uh, get to them yeah one day we're in the richmond hallway we've got ted giving keely advice about working with her team what's more important here is a very awkward exchange between jamie and keely my favorite thing is jamie just going jim Jim, like, no, no, nothing more than one word just to let her know he was coming from the gym. Jim, Jim. She was, I, he was talking to a guy named Jim. <laughs> Isaac, uh, which it's good to have Isaac flex his acting muscles here. I appreciate him. He comes in and lets uh, Jamie know that he used science to know that Roy <laughs> and Keeley broke up, which is just great. Can he six man? It's the body language. But yeah, the way he, Isaac, delivers these lines are absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, you know, seconds later, JB has to try to pawn this off as he was the one that figured this out by saying he used body science. I used body science. <laughs> I wish I could do a JB accent, but Phil, Phil Dunster does just such a great job. The one visual I thought was funny is they have a water cooler that both um, <laughs> Isaac and Jamie are using in the hallway. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not. I don't know. I guess I've never been in the clubhouse of a uh, the ball club house of a football team. I don't know how they get their water, but I thought it was very funny that they're just like filling up water bottles at the uh, the water tank. Yeah, I'm hoping we have more like comedic moments of people like talking around the water cooler. It's, right. it's classic. Right, right, right. We have 
and it's I'm assuming it's flat water, not sparkly water. But maybe mm, they have yeah. giant sparkly water five gallon <laughs> jugs in there. Who knows? Jamie and Roy are in the kit room. This is just give me more of this, man. Roy and Jamie, like, kind of getting along, or at least, like, Jamie showing some parts of his humanity, like, really well, trying to be a good human. I don't know. Right? This is great. I love the way they set this up, right? So he's going down the hallway when he heard that they're break- breaking up, and my assumption was he's going after Keeley because he already kind of expressed his feelings and love for her at the end of the last season. That's so you true. think he's going to see this as a an opening. But no, he turns to the side, and again, I love the way they shot this. He could have kept going down the hallway, but he turns to the side and goes into the boot box to have a conversation with Roy. I'm sorry, did you say boot box? Yeah, it's the boot box. Didn't we, uh, didn't we call this room the boot box? At least I'm calling it the boot box. Listen, a boot box is what you carry around on your shoulders when you want all your other friends to listen to your new cassette tape. That's what a boot box is. The conversation of... Oh, I, we already touched on it, but how did you know we broke up? I used I used bodies... I can't do it. I can't deliver the line. I used um, body slants. No, there it that's is. That's not right. I don't Thank know that's you. Well, you sound like Paul McCartney when you do that. That's very... <laughs> Uh, very nice. I'm, I'm <laughs> podcasting with one of the Beatles that's still alive. Uh, bring John Lennon back for me, Tom. Um, anyways, <laughs> Jamie makes a face here. <laughs> and he's like, what's what's that bleeping face? And he's like, it's empathy. And I just, this is so good. The back and forth between them and Jamie trying to be a good human and comfort him leads to the, uh, he tries to hug him. Roy, of course, pushes him away. And this joke got me. I wrote it on my vision board. He, Jamie goes, I forget how skittish elderly people can be because of the war, which I have so many questions of what what war Jamie's referring to. If he's referring to World War II and the Blitz or um, how old he thinks Roy is, all that stuff is just, it's a great joke. It is absolutely brilliant. And again, the, the delivery from uh, Jamie is, is what makes it so much funnier. Sure. And then we have a reveal in the boot box, Tom. This is great because I feel like we've had this before. This is that classic thing of they're talking seemingly by themselves and the camera pans out and there's another guy in the room and you got poor uh, William, the kit man, just sitting in the corner. And I love the way that JB like points to him and tells him not to say anything. And he's pointing at him for like a good 10 seconds in this scene. And it's, it's great and menacing yep. and I love it. And William, this actor's very funny. It's like, hey, let's all go out for a drink. He's just like trying to fill the room with conversation because <laughs> it's so awkward. What I think is funny is he's he's yelling at William not to spill the beans, and then Jamie immediately tells everyone in the locker room, uh, which is wonderful. Well, does he? Does he? Or does Isaac? Because Isaac was one, like, they finally start hearing the like, lasso and the coaches hear the argument going on in kind of the locker room. It seems like it was... Oh, maybe it was Isaac. Maybe Jamie yeah, did Isaac having a word. cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're in the coach's office. It, I only caught this on the second watch, but as Beard enters the room, he is talk texting into his phone, and he <laughs> says, well, you are a sleepwalker. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. And I'm assuming he's informing Jane that she's a sleepwalker? I don't, yes. Is that I what think he is? does mention Jane, but I like, yeah, the fact that it's a voice text and he says period at the end. It's, it's a classic Beard uh, move. Right. And there's this great moment where Lasso's reading Inverting the Pyramid, which is a book that Beard, we see Beard reading. And Beard reacts here as if 
He's like, what are you doing? And it's, he, the way he acts, what I picked up on it is like, Beard is almost nervous that Ted is going to pick up on the, those parts of it. And it's <laughs> almost like Beard's like, you're stepping on my inverted corner. Like, did you get that sense that like, he felt like Ted was encroaching on his, uh, what he contributes to the team. Does that make sense? Not in like a jealous way, but like in a yeah. kind of nervous, like you're in over your skis. I don't know if I'm using my that first, term right. <laughs> no, I like that interpretation. My first thought was maybe Beard had something in the book. Like he pretended to be reading this book at all times, but he's got all these post-it notes in there. <laughs> and maybe he has notes about Jane or Lasso or somebody. <laughs> And it's he's just his like, journal, but he's got the inverted pyramid over it. That's good. I like that. Well, because Lasso says, like, oh, I, only, I haven't gotten past, like, the table of contents, so he hasn't actually really opened the book and got sure. into it. So, yeah, maybe Beard's hiding something in this book. We'll, we'll see. Okay, okay. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Uh, Ted asked him about signing Zava, and this is, <laughs> that's where we get the Beard shriek, which I think he does it three times in this episode, and they're all gold. And oh, Ted's, fantastic. Like, Ted's like, who's Zava? And so Beard, I guess they know who Zava is from uh, something on YouTube. Yeah, this veggie dog vigilante. So apparently he took out some dude in a grocery store while eating a veggie dog uh, and then just headbutted him in the face. Uh, weird, but funny. Yeah, yeah. The guy's <laughs> trying to rob the store and he uh, he doesn't, well, Zava doesn't pay for those items. So I'm a little bit confused. He like headbutts the robber, but then steals all the veggie dogs. So it should be called Veggie Dog Vigilante Steals Veggie Dogs. That's what that video should be called. Well, maybe he is the vigilante. Zava is the vigilante in this video, not the guy with the gun. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a vigilante because he stops crime, but then he becomes a criminal. It's like oh. when you are the hero long enough to become the villain, just <laughs> like go. in The Dark Knight. Rises. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you're welcome. You got to get a Catwoman reference sometime in this episode. Oh, Anne Hathaway. Uh, I hope she listens. Um, it's eleven. <laughs> she doesn't. It's eleven. I asked. Uh, it's eleven eleven. Um, this joke. Once again, I love callbacks and shows. Lasso does it well. He makes some comment about eleven eleven uh, to make his wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Beard and him make a wish. Lasso wants to know what Beard's is. Beard won't tell him. And it's not the, how it works. not how it works. They don't cancel each other out, or they will cancel each other out. I don't know. This was all just, once again, just put Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis in a room together and let them like do their inside jokes, and that's mm-hmm. what we love about these guys. Fact. Yep. We hear a ruckus in the locker room, and to your point, this is probably where Isaac is uh, spreading the rumor, but... They get this whole thing jumbled up. It's very funny. It's a very like who's on first, what's yeah. on second, like rumor about them getting Zava. The com- um, the goalie, I can't remember his name. Um, I believe it's French. He says, why would Zava write a book about Trent Krim? <laughs> and it was great. It was yeah, great. The way Zorro, everything- Zorro. Nice. Good pickup. Yeah, the way everything gets twisted to that final line is just pure comedy gold. I do love the idea, too, that at one point, like Danny Rojas, and they first mentioned Zava, he says, like, oh, I just wished for that 30 seconds ago. <laughs> and if you go back and watch that, 
Um, you can actually clock the second that it hits 11.11 and Lasso and Beard make their wish. If you put a clock on it, 30 seconds later is exactly when Danny uh, says that line. That's so great. And it's, it's also great. something where I can totally see like Ted talking to Danny about 11.11 and <laughs> yes. Danny like making that his thing as well. He's like, exactly. he's like, oh, I did not know if you wished it 11.11. And Ted's like, yeah, it's one of the you know rules of the universe. And then Danny like... <laughs> collects that so so good i loved it i loved how all the team is kind of getting in on the action um they all give them lines to say it was uh it was very fun this mm-hmm. is then where beard finds out that roy and keely break up and we get ah! another we get another shriek and ted faints <laughs> and i i had trouble taking notes on this because there's so many funny things that happen so quickly it's mm-hmm. like the whole locker room's dealing with zava in the breakup uh he tells ted tells william to go get the breakup cd what's the what's cd, CD? <laughs> beard's like i'm on it he throws him his keys beard's like i've already got a copy and then he comes in through the side door once roy mentions that uh he's the one that broke up with keely and he shrieks <laughs> again and it just this just beat for beat was so funny to me and uh, I enjoyed it immensely. The best part of this whole bit is like when uh, I think at the very end, like Roy starts screaming about his hatred for Trent Krim and how nobody should talk to him. And then Roy exits scene watching Jamie here. Did you catch this? I caught it on the first one. It, oh like, yeah. It reminded me of Jim from the office. Jamie is just breaking like crazy and has his like hands on his lips and is trying to hold it together. And then the door slams and you can probably tell this was an ad libbed moment. The door's not supposed to slam because they all seemed very, very frightened by it. Right. And he starts giggling more. Uh, so, so, so great. Yeah. Phil Dunster is definitely breaking. He's <laughs> smiling through the whole thing. And apparently they just kept the take and it's great because you can see that these once you get the feeling that it's cast just based on what you see like online and everything. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of these guys are minor players in a big TV show, but they are very much a team. And like you get the sense that the positive energy that is a through line in lasso also happens to affect the, the mm-hmm. actors that are in it. So it is yeah. fun. And yeah, I, I clocked it. It was great to watch him laugh in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the most positive guy, the football is life guy. <laughs> tell, tell Trent to F off because Roy has told all of them not to talk with him. And like Danny is so, he's like fighting his friendliness, like to yes. be uh, the golden retriever that he is, that in response <laughs> to that, almost like a kid, he's got to like then swing the opposite direction and just scream at Trent. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's all just so, 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 so good. Yeah. Um, A comedy show will always get me. There is something about something being thrown and someone not reacting to it or like something being thrown to someone else and then just like ignoring it. There's a, a classic Arrested Development where Michael throws George Michael the keys and Michael Sarah just turns his body, like doesn't attempt to catch them. They just hit him. There is a scene that will always stick with me. Have you ever seen the the whole nine yards with Matthew Perry and Bruce Willis, Tom? Yes, been a while, been a minute, but I've uh, seen it. The funniest, and this hit me as a kid when I watched it when I was like three. Uh, there's a moment where they're on a boat and Bruce Willis reaches in, gets a beer, and throws it to Matthew Perry. And Matthew Perry doesn't move or react, and the beer just sails by him into the water. <laughs> And then Bruce Willis gives this look like this shrug and then he gets himself a beer. 
And when <laughs> when Lasso throws the keys to Beard in this, and Beard doesn't react, they like hit him in the back. He's just like, <laughs> I've got my own copy. I laughed hysterically. It was very, very funny. Now that you say that, I feel like I've seen that in The Nice Guys with... Ryan Gosling and yep. Russell Crowe. Yes, where I think Russell Crowe like tosses Ryan Gosling like a gun or something, or vice versa, and the gun just goes flying over his head and like breaks the glass uh, and falls out the window. Yes, it's the same deal. Yes, that is <laughs> yes, that is. I love it. I remember that. That's a great. Uh, that is a great movie. By the way, I appreciate that movie. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, we're at the shooting of a commercial that Keeley's running. She meets an old friend. Uh, she seems to be having... I couldn't figure out who the two people... Were the two people the clients that own the goat? Or yes. I didn't understand who those people were. Um, yeah, they're just shooting a commercial. I think they're just the director, producer of the commercial. And she's just making sure that they stay on budget and, I don't know, sell the heck out of this vodka? Goat? Or no, whatever. no, no. They're selling mini goats, Tom. This is a company okay. that sells mini goats, <laughs> I'm assuming, for slaughter. I'm sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> the goat doesn't make it taste delicious. Um, best pork chops you'll ever have come from goat. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. A uh, little mint jelly. Anyways, the co- the commercial's going fine, but she runs into an old friend. And very sweet moment here. The old friend's like, hey, we saw you in Vanity Fair with all your clothes on, <laughs> as if to imply. Anyways. Uh, the friends are all proud because uh, Keely made it out on her own. And I thought mm-hmm. this was a very nice moment for uh, Keely, who most days schedules some time to cry. So I think this was a nice <laughs> pick me up. Um, yeah. And, and we get a bit where like Shandy does have a good suggestion because the CFO was kind of on Keely for making sure they stay on time and on budget and everything. So she gets good advice. So I like this too, because it, it didn't just make it feel like, Keely is giving her a job just because she's a friend. Like she can add value here. So I like that they did that. Yeah. What I wish I would, they would have done is when Barb or Barbara, I think she prefers Barb Babs. is Babs. That's right. Is <laughs> grilling Keely and, uh, Shandy. That's a great name. Shandy. Um, like a Lionel Coogan's beer, the summer <laughs> Shandy. Anyways, who I'm thirsty. Um, <laughs> Keely should have brought that up. She should have been like, well, Shandy does have qualifications. She's been in a ton of commercials. In fact, this was her suggestion during the last one, to strobe the mm-hmm. lights and have everyone cross camera, and then you'll get the crowded feel. Like, I wish she would have defended her in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like she kind of left Shandy hanging during that interview. Um, but we, I think we're going to find out Barb is going to turn around. I think that's the storyline there, which I'm all for, and I'm interested in how... Keely handles all these things but Mm -hmm. we're in Rebecca's office she talks with her mom I felt like this was uh, I don't know did we need this scene I don't know if this was like hey we're gonna bring her mom back 
My thought is they're going to feature her mom later and just want to let you know that she's still around, I guess. But she's at this like weird retreat, like the way she's holding her phone in landscape mode, I thought was kind of funny. And she's a bit cuckoo and wanting her to meet her psychic. It is weird. and It doesn't necessarily seem like it's needed here, but maybe we'll get more of Rebecca's mom later on. Sure. Yeah, we have Nicole Kidman walk in and call her Babushka. And then uh, the White Lotus staff walks in in the background. So a little bit of a crossover between an Apple show and an HBO show. And the other one was perhaps a Showtime or Amazon Prime show. I don't know. Eventually, they'll all become part of Ingersoll Rand, the industrial equipment company. (laughs) Oh, deep cut. Rebecca and Higgins are talking and... I didn't take many notes on it, but Higgins comes in during these moments, and I just love him. I love him to death. <laughs> he does his weird throwing up in his mouth thing. He's like, he's saying these things, and Rebecca's like, great, now you jinxed it. He's like, there's no way he'll go to West Ham. She's like, you jinxed it, you jinxed it. Um, he's doing lip reading, all these things. But essentially, what we find is that Zava doesn't want Richmond <laughs> because it will reflect poorly on him, <laughs> which is a great, and that he's going to sign with Chelsea, not West Ham. Yeah, I, I, I love Higgins. They didn't use him a ton in this one, but when he came in, I enjoyed it. Well, that's why I think Higgins is one of those characters that we've seen him be a lot more heavily involved in previous episodes, and he's great when he is, but he's also a fantastic actor that can just pepper in these little scenes and little quips and notes. But yeah, he, he kind of make, makes it seem like it's, good news that he's going to Chelsea because he's not going to West Ham. And that's where they get the whole idea of him jinxing it, which is a great through line uh, through this episode. In the world of soccer, international soccer, football, sorry, Tom, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> West Ham and Chelsea, are these teams on the same level in terms of competitiveness? Is West Ham, would you say, a lower tier? Keep in mind, we have fans of both <laughs> baseball clubs that listen to us so try not to divide our already relatively small audience into smaller audiences um, of ones instead of the tens that we currently reach out to no sure i'm sure there's some hammer fans out there um i would say as of right now during this season they are on par with each other um chelsea's having a very middle of the road season so, uh, and West Ham is generally there. They're not at the tops. They're not at the bottom. They're a good, solid Premier League team, but they've struggled to try to get to the, the top of the league, which is just always tough. I mean, not to get too far into Premier League soccer, but there's kind of the four or five big teams in Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Chelsea that just have gobs of money to be able to throw at players. So it's difficult for some of these teams that don't have the budget to compete against their talent. Got it. Got it. Well, you heard it first here, people. Chelsea is a middle-of-the-table team, I believe is the terminology, (laughs) and West Ham is a power bottom. (laughs) Tom's words. Um, I believe those are all special uh, football terms. Um, So you're welcome, everyone. We have Trent Krim walking through the building. No one will interact with him. Uh, there's a great moment, I think, where he like goes to shake Jamie's hand and Jamie like thinks about it. And old Jamie no, would no, have not... No. no, am I wrong here? 
Oh no! I did, that was JB's. Like he like looks at him, getting ready to shake his hand, and then puts his finger up in the air. He's like, no, 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 no I'm no. not shaking your hand. What I think is funny is in the olden days, Jamie would have embraced Trent just to get back at Roy, and instead, yes. uh, he you know he respects Roy and he does this. So it's mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing some growth out of old um, Jamie Tart. Um, <laughs> no one will interact with him. We find out, and this is just a wonderful, wonderful comedic idea, is Roy and Trent sharing an office. Talk to me <laughs> about this office, Tom. As you, as you scan the room, what do you see? <laughs> I see nothing on Trent's desk and just loads and loads of get well soon teddy bears. Breakup gifts, break I guess. Gifts. Do you get breakup gifts? Is that a thing? <laughs> It was so good. And like how quickly this has all happened because this seems to be part of the same day, uh, which is even better. But there is a card that he gets, this like big C that's got a bunch of fish. And who's this card from, Julian? It says XX Liza at the end. Do we know Eliza? I thought it was his sister. But now that I think about it, I don't remember what his sister's name. The Yeah, so Phoebe's mom. Phoebe, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe this is... Is it Miss Bowen? Are we going to get Miss Bowen brought into into the action here? You're talking about the foil. Oh wait, the teacher. Is it oh, Liza Bowen? Oh no, 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 no! That's not where my brain went. I thought you were talking about the old lady that bids on all the footballers. <laughs> oh, that would the, be great at the charity. The one that uh, Jamie has to <laughs> is forced to uh, do things to based on how much she paid. I don't know. We're a podcast for children, so I don't know what I'm allowed to say. But I like yours. I like that. That's a. I don't know. Would the school teacher send? I mean, it does look like it's a weird. school teacher's card, though. Right, um, big letter C and the corny joke on it. Um, I don't know if they're going to play on it, but they had a lot of chemistry in the previous season. Oh, so and much if they're going <laughs> to, if they're going to bring her I in, I forgot to, her Irish yeah. accent. Tom, thank you for reminding me. She'd You're be welcome. an incredible Catwoman. Um, <laughs> anyways, the yeah, thank you. Uh, one thing I'll point out here, and I think it's important for all of us as adults to recognize, is. You have to really be cognizant of the sides of a card when you buy it because you, a lot of times, have to fill up all that space with words. When I look <laughs> at this card and she's got like two lines, I'm like, that is a person that does not care. Uh, what you have to do is you have to buy a card where the, where the manufacturer, we'll say Hallmark, mm. which we're going to get a call back here in a little while, <laughs> has like a paragraph of words so that you just have to write stuff around it. It's the ones that are like, it's like one word in there and you've got to fill all that space with like mushy language or like, hey, you know, uh, the, I don't appreciate those. Uh, Hallmark, I'm coming at you. More words <laughs> in the cards so I don't have to write as much. Thank you. Listen, this has been you, Julian's card corner. <laughs> you've been doing it wrong. I just get a card that's got a big paragraph in the middle and I put quotation marks at the front and end of that paragraph and then just put dash Tom. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> And uh, your kid is really going to appreciate that when you give him that and he starts calling you Tom. Um, This leads to one of the funnier moments of a very funny episode where Trent takes a phone call. And what does Roy do, Tom? Roy takes his beautiful, beautiful get well soon in your relationship balloons and pops them individually very slowly, (laughs) never turning, never looking, never acknowledging Trent, just popping them. 
Is Roy a villain? Is Roy a jerk? Yes. Should we not yes. be rooting for Roy? He is. He's great. He's the Joel of this uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know back. whether to root for him or not. Yeah. That's the a callback to The Last of Us that we did on a other podcast. So <laughs> if you're watching Lasso and you want to get really thrown off, listen to us talk about <laughs> Uh, the last of us they're the shows are very similar in theme and i don't know motif maybe i love trent's like response here too like the person he's talking to he's like oh is is that on your end i don't know if it's coming from my end (laughs) (laughs) he's gotta pretend yeah that was very good very very good we're back at the law offices of KJPR. Healy <laughs> has hired Summer Shandy, Lionel Coogan's Summer Shandy. Uh, the CFO immediately is having none of it. I kept having to remind myself that Barbara was not a Keeley hire, that this person was mm-hmm. forced on her, because during this whole thing, I was just like, Keeley, just get rid of her. And then I was like, okay, she can't. But Keeley follows after Barb humiliates Shandy. Keeley follows her back. And then we discover that Barbara is a snow globe collector. What am, what am I supposed to glean from this, from this bit of knowledge that she's got 400 snow globes, Tom? Yeah, she's a glober. I mean, I guess it's... <laughs> Why did that sound... It sounded like wrong. What? I don't know what that means, but I'm offended she's a by globe, it. That's all. She's a globe trotter. Globe trotter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There sure. She can spin the basketball while whistling. I know what you're talking about. I just think it's it's ultimately just something. Like, Keely needs something to be able to establish some sort of rapport and relationship with her staff, and she just has nothing. They all seem to be kind of drones, but everybody's got something. Like, you know, you've got your stamp collection, I've got my Lego, uh, and uh, Babs here has her globes. So I liked this little bit because it kind of establishes, okay, there is something here that they can bond on that's not just work, and I'm sure we'll get more bonding with the rest of the staff at some point here's how i took it i took it as keely sees these things and she sees how many companies that barbara has been sent to and she like Mm -hmm. almost takes pity on her in terms of like a lack of stability and i don't think this is to say Mm -hmm. anything about barb's like ability to be successful but it seems like she's She's like a hatchet man that's sent into different places mm-hmm. to like fix it or cut things because that's what hatchets do. They fix trees um, <laughs> by dividing them. <laughs> um, oh, man. I don't know why that tickled me. That, I shouldn't laugh at my own jokes. That's like the number one. All right. I'm writing it down. I would like that in my will. Hatchets. I don't even remember what I said. Anyways, um, that's how I took it as like uh, Kitty, Keely, Kitty. Almost a Catwoman. Catwoman <laughs> Keely. Oh, oh, how have I not brought this up? Keely, uh, Keely is in Dark Knight Rises. She is Catwoman's friend. The actress that plays <gasps> Keely is uh, Anne Hathaway's friend in The Dark Knight Rises. How, how did I not remember wow. that until this moment? Oh, wow. man. Shake Brilliant. the old snow globe. Everyone's world's just been shook. Yeah, wow. so... Anyways, the whole lesson here is Keeley's like, Barb, let's try and believe in people. And mm. that's straight from the old Ted Lasso book. So I do like how Ted is affecting uh, all these other people. I hope they don't kill Ted in the season finale. <laughs> Wouldn't that be rough? Like, everyone's lives have changed. They're all waving at him, and then a bus smokes him at a, a crosswalk because he looks the wrong way. 
Tom, I think I just wrote the finale of Ted Lasso. <laughs> he looks the wrong way, not realizing he's in London. And then, no, no, no. He looks the right way for London, but an American driver who's driving mm. on the wrong side smokes him and everyone watches it happen. And that's how Lasso season three ends. Wow. Um, we have had foreshadowing. Beard has saved him from walking into the middle of the street before. That's true. That's true. Anyways, sorry. I took us off on a tangent, but uh, <laughs> Keely Jones is in The Dark Knight Rises. That's the most important thing that I can contribute <laughs> to the world right now. But I'm wondering if we're going to see something with the credit card. And my wife picked this up, and I think it's a great point, is that she looks at the credit card, uh, Shandy does, and it almost makes it seem like, is she going to abuse this credit card that she was told by Babs, the CFO here, hey, don't use this. We got you a corporate card, but don't use it. I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of like maybe a betrayal by the friend that she's going to help, but then she takes this card and spends it on who knows what. That's fair. I mean, you do have the text at the very end where she says, Mm -hmm. you know, let's bring mimosas to work. We'll charge it to the company card, which, yeah, I I don't know. I see that. My issue is how do you abuse a credit card? You charge things to it. And then once it gets full, you get rid of it. (laughs) You go get a new one. I don't I don't really understand how anyone gets in trouble with credit cards. It's uh, free money. Yeah, but no, it's a good find out one day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I get a lot of calls from um, creditors, I believe they're, uh, they're called. Anyways, we're in the parking lot. We've got, very quickly, Roy and Trent. Trent asking him to give him a chance, and classic Roy accepts him, hugs him, and then kisses him <laughs> on both cheeks, and then tells him to friend off, is what I'm going to say. A yes. friend is the F word in this situation. And Trent tries. He, he did. Try. He tries to take the high ground, or, or what he sees as a high ground, and is trying to level with him. But Roy's still having none of it, and we don't really know quite why yet. But we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I was trying to like rack my brain as to that relationship, and I'm just remembering there's a scene in either season one or season two. I think it's season one uh, where Trent Crim spends spends the day with Ted, and mm-hmm. Roy says, "You've always been a prick." Um, to right. him after like <laughs> Ted's trying to get him to read the something in time book that I'm blanking wheel, on the name of. Wheel of Time? Not the Wheel of Time. It is um, Wrinkle in Time. The Wrinkle in Time. And so that is really the only time we get their interaction, I believe. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But let's go from there. Let's go to game time, Tom. It's game time. You, How many times have you watched a game in Chelsea Stadium? Ugh, zero. Unfortunately, I've never been to the Stamford Bridge. I'm sorry, but it, they play on a bridge. <laughs> Stamford Bridge. Yes, I don't. I Stamford, Connecticut. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, another office reference. Well Drink. done. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. It was fun to see like the club that I love and seeing maybe some of like the behind the scenes. I don't know if they shot some of the stuff like with Rebecca and Zava in like some of these offices or kind of back in suites but it was it was cool to see the stadium and see it featured so heavily and the fact that you know i had forgot that roy did have a tie with chelsea and that's where he kind of came from before he moved to richmond so i loved loved all of that yeah no it's a it's a good time once again i love the blue and white uh who doesn't look good in blue and white other than smurfs (laughs) 
You can keep the pause in there. I was going to say blueberries, but I think Smurfs is better. Uh, just cut a laugh track in there, Tom. Just make sure okay. everyone everyone laughs. Guess who returns? And I don't think we saw them in season one, but they're back. We have the pub crew. Paul something and something. Baz, Paul Baz, and the other gentleman. And then yes. May, the publican. All looking mm-hmm. great. Yeah, so great to have these guys back. And I love the, I, I don't remember which one is which, but the guy that comes in with like the top hat and like the fancy outfit and has the top hats for everybody else. I mean, super classy. Super classy, classy Englishman. Yep. That's why Tom and I are podcasting with top hats on right now. <laughs> I like how we get this uh, quick cut then back to the game and you see Higgins with Keeley and Rebecca up in the stands. And I love the idea of like Higgins being like the Adam Schefter of the English football where he's getting all these rumor mills from friends of friends of <laughs> people eating lips of massage parlors of everything. It's so, so it. great. And Leslie delivers it so well. Reading lips at massage parlors. That's a... Uh... That's an interesting... Ooh, let's move on. Uh, Roy being back at Chelsea. I don't know why this got me. I don't know. I don't understand. I Roy's not a real soccer player. He's not a real person. But when they started chanting the Roy Kent chant, and he, like, stood up, and I, like, there was a moment here. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. I weeped openly or wept openly, as the English say. <laughs> But I did shriek like Beard over and over again and uh, speak in tongues. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was emotional to see the, uh, the crowd uh, appreciate Roy. Yeah, and like when Roy comes through the tunnel, he kind of like cracks wise with one of the security guys there that's <laughs> that probably been great. there Bruce. for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that was really great. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of these clubs do this. Like, And I know Chelsea does this. You can watch one of their games and look into the stands and they'll have banners for some of their legends like Zola or Frank Lampard or Jose Mourinho. Like they love and respect their former footballers. And it's so cool to see this year when they come back. It's not like a rival where you're going to boo them every single time in the game. Like they love and respect the guy that brought so much to the club in the past and to see this and show that Chelsea fans are good fans. It was kind of cool. The greatest fans. The greatest <laughs> fans, Tom. Because you're one of them and you're great. So I love Thanks, all pal. Chelsea fans. Um, <laughs> great moment here. If you blink, you miss it. Uh, I think Zava has shown up and Danny Rojas is very excited for, for <laughs> Zava to watch him play. And he says, I haven't been this nervous since I played in El Chapo's Youth League. <laughs> <laughs> which is a Mexican drug lord. And it's just a gr- it's listen, when they were in the writer's room, whoever wrote that joke, I hope they gave him some sort of award because it's a wonderful, wonderful joke. That and is funny. You can kind of see the what's developing with Jamie as like, Jamie is kind of over the celebrity of Zava. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. interesting. I'm interested to see how that reflects in the locker room. And I don't really like this move of getting Zava. Um, I understand it's kind of driven by Rebecca, but uh, there's something to be said about the chemistry of a team in a locker room and not upsetting it with an ego, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, if I'm touching something. But, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. And every time Zava is mentioned, Jamie is a little bit taken aback because Jamie is their star striker right now. So you could bring this guy in. You know, is Jamie still going to have a spot? Is he going to be benched? Who, who really knows? So he has his his doubts. And I think from Jamie's perspective, 
he knows the kind of guy that Zava is because he was that guy. Great point. Um, and from what we've seen so far, it seems like Zava is like Jamie 2.0, like even more so into himself. So we'll see how this dynamic works. But I, I'm with you at first. I was a little bit hesitant, but I kind of like the wrinkle that this will bring in. I don't want everything to just be perfect for this whole season. And this is going to potentially play to the idea that, okay, if Richmond just got demoted and or, or promoted from the l- lesser league, do we really think they can go all the way and win here? So now that they're getting this star player, even though it might wreck the locker room a little bit, this gives a little bit of credence to potentially uh, Richmond winning it all here. Sure, sure. No, those are all great points. And uh, I don't know. I may disagree with you on watching a TV show where everything's just going well. <laughs> I guess I'll take a little conflict, but there is great joy in just these guys telling jokes and like me not having to feel super sad or mm-hmm. feel like they're forcing villain Nate on me. Like, I think that's maybe why I love this episode so much is like, what was the real, I mean, the real like downer drama is Rebecca talking to Rupert later in this scene. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we've already established Rupert is a jerk and he's not going to change, but uh, I mean, I got a lot of joy out of just these guys enjoying like spending time together. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. But we get, we I'm get some stuff you. with Roy at the end, though. Like, I mean, he's he has some like, an emotional moment, which I, I liked, because I don't think we need to be void of the the emotion stuff. Because, I, I, like, I mean, this big part of the cast was just at the White House talking about, like, mental health issues, which was super cool to, to see all these guys, like, using their celebrity to push, uh, you know, the idea of mental health and being kind and nice to each other was, was super cool to see. So, you know, this show, obviously season two pushed a little bit more heavy into that, but that is the, the crux of this show is being kind and treating people well. And just because you treat people well and are kind, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect in your life. You're like, sure. People that give, give love need to receive it as well. Forgive me. I was not trying to say that I don't appreciate like the emotional beats. I mm-hmm. guess I'm, I, I appreciate that we're not taking big like villain swings. I Fair. guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Cause mm-hmm. I think one of my big complaints is the Nate character of what they've done <laughs> here or with him. And so I'm fine with like the conflict of like Roy and his relationship with Keely and him like determining whether or not he's going to make decisions that make him happy despite, you know, what the future holds. And I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I I'm you. not saying I don't appreciate those things. I am just saying I don't need like if Zava comes in and is just like over the top terrible and we have to deal with that with three episodes and he like murders someone uh, (laughs) and this turns into a detective show where they're trying to find the murderer. Actually, I think we talked about this in season (laughs) one. We are for that. So uh, Zava the murderer episodes, I don't know, three, four and five. Uh, and then Beard alone in London for six. These are my predictions. <laughs> Anyways, I'm with you. I, I I I wasn't trying to say I don't appreciate the emotional mm-hmm. stuff, but I do appreciate uh, all of the funny and the lack of over-the-top badness. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of over-the-top badness, we've got a conversation about Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, and and before we go there, we do have an interesting moment here, to to your point, uh, an emotional moment, where we have Rebecca reveal kind of why she fell for Rupert, and like, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that he's oily and kind of a overall bad dude like there's a charm to him that over time overtook her so i did Mm -hmm. think it was interesting to get her kind of explain how they ended up together in the first place Mm -hmm. yeah because she even knew that he was married i think at the time but his persistence and charm just was enough and didn't not not wear her down or anything but it was and i think he even makes that line like a fine line between stalking and romance uh, but, you know, Rebecca felt loved and felt wanted by this man. And, you know, she makes mention that's what Rupert is doing to Zaba right now. Sure, sure. Maybe they'll get married, you know? <laughs> that might be nice. That would be a change of pace. That is a spinoff show I would not watch. Oh, okay. It's Well, I was going to say it would be an episode of The Last of Us, but um, <laughs> I don't know. If, anyways. We're in the locker room. We're talking about Hallmark Christmas movies. Great line from Ted. We're so unoffensive. We're like a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> and everyone's confused. <laughs> Which leads to Trent Grimm coming in as Jamie is trying to talk strategy. Everyone gets quiet. Ted recognizes what's happening. He pulls Roy into the yellow tiled shower room. Does Chelsea Is Chelsea one of those teams that... <laughs> tiles the opposing team's <laughs> locker room some weird depressing color so that they don't play as well is that what's is that what's happening here i don't I think, know I, I would it'd be kind of cool if this actually was chelsea's visitor locker room but i would imagine it might be a, a set but who knows there's like a there's a apocryphal story about like i want to say iowa painted the visitor's locker room like pink so mm-hmm. like it, it's just supposed to like calm you and uh, I guess make you less competitive. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> it's a funny, the funny thing to think about Ted levels with Roy. He's like, listen, you need to fix this because otherwise we're going to lose more here than just a silly game. I do mm-hmm. appreciate that Roy's opening line is what the heck is a Hallmark Christmas movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, pulling him aside and that's the first thing that Roy wants to know. But I love that Ted is like, I don't know your beef, but you better order from the vegan menu and squash it. Great, great line. <laughs> great line. Great line. Oh, man. The brain of Ted Lasso. So good. <laughs> so, so good. But, Julian, I want you to tell me about your favorite Hallmark Christmas movie. I know back way back when you used to be a Christmas tree farmer, so this probably hits pretty close to home. Yep. Christmas tree farmer, also Santa Claus, also a prince, um, <laughs> all of those things. I got to be honest, I don't. I I don't watch any of the cheesy Christmas movies. I don't think I've ever seen a Hallmark one. The only one I've ever desired to see is the Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell one that they apparently did and played straight. Um, oh, I but think I, I never saw it. I mean, Christmas movies for me are The Christmas Story, 
National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and that's about it. I don't know. <laughs> Peanuts, Christmas with Charlie Brown. Those are the three. I've never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie, but I have a sense of what they are based on how Ted described <laughs> them, that's for sure. Listen, they suck, but but they're great. I mean, I mean they really, really suck, but they're great. They're good with the sound off. <laughs> good with the sound off, <laughs> which is probably the best praise you can give a movie ever. There's just so many pretty people. That's why yeah. it's good with the sound off. Well, the plot goes in such a way that you don't need the sound. I've heard people describe our podcast as great with the sound off. Um, <laughs> Roy, I thought this was interesting that they did this. Roy angrily does everything angry. He yells at Krim, mm-hmm. takes his duffel bag down angrily, pulls his wallet out mm-hmm. angrily, pulls out this article angrily. And it's an article that Trent Krim wrote about him when he was 17 and entered the Premier League. How young? What are the child labor laws on Premier soccer players? What's going on here? When can you force a child to play soccer for money? What's going so on? M- most of these players for these big teams play as like youth club teams. So they called academies. So okay. Chelsea will have an academy that instead of playing for like a local soccer club, you play for Chelsea's academy. So you literally grow up in it. So if you are very, very good at a young age, there are players that have premiered in the Premier League at, I mean, I don't know what the youngest age is, but 16, I think, is probably probably close to it. Hmm. Interesting. So they go straight from the coal mines to the academies <laughs> and then the soccer field and then exactly. to America and then to the coal mines. Mm-hmm. Clean energy, baby. Uh, <laughs> Trent apologizes and uh, kind of gives gives a reason why he did what he did. Yeah, and I like this because he is kind of mentioning like, listen, I was just trying to be edgy and he was kind of looking for the worst in people as he was trying to start his career, um, which I thought is a is a great line because that's not where I think Trent is now because right. of what he's doing and, and the book he wants to write about this team and about Ted Lasso. So again, Ted Lasso is rubbing off on people, not just the players, but on Trent Krim here. Yes, that's exactly right. And I'd love, and I said this at the beginning, like I loved the writing of this so much about them showing us this moment and not having to tell us. Like the idea that Roy pulls this article clipping out of his wallet and he's kept this in his wallet since he's been 17 as a reminder or motivation to be better. It's it's so, so great. And, you know, even at the end when he eventually rips this thing up, it's it's, it's such a poetic and brilliantly written moment. I loved it. Sure. Yep. The only thing I've kept in my wallet that long is my library card, which (laughs) has never been signed and never been used. Uh, This episode is sponsored by libraries. Go visit your local library. You're welcome, libraries. Jamie, I appreciate this. We get back to what Jamie was trying to talk about, team strategy. And I know you're a football fan, and even as a non-football fan, Whatever the heck they say here felt like kind of cheap writing, (laughs) which I'm not going to nitpick here, but it's like, okay, let's show them being a team to come up with a strategy to tie the game. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that they gave Jamie a chance. uh, They gave Obasanya a chance and they gave Isaac Mm -hmm. a chance to all pitch in here. Once again, just showing like the synergy of the locker room. So it was uh, it was good, but I did upon the second listen. I was like, I don't think they're saying real soccer things. Well, I feel like Jamie and Sam kind of were, but then when Isaac steps in, he's like, Yeah, let's just go win the game. Yeah, and everybody starts screaming. Like, well, that's not really much of anything. Captain, man, that guy's just a leader of men. There, 
So good. I love it. We cut to the stands where it's Higgins, Keeley, and Rebecca. Oh, we get another check-in with Higgins where he's got his karate teacher and Zava's avocado farm. The girl that dated the person that rammed Zava's avocado farm. I'm super interested in this avocado farm. I mean, think of the guacamole if you own an avocado farm. So much guac. Think of the avocado baths you could take. You could just Mm. roll around in it. This is where she decides to go after Zava because she thinks mm-hmm. Rupert's going to get him. And so the conversation, is this where Rupert and Rebecca run into him in the hall? Yeah, so she heads out and wants to try to go to that section of the stands where Zava is, which I would argue she probably could have just cut past Keeley and Higgins to get to where Zava was. Uh, but it's just a means for them to meet up in this little hallway. And I think Rupert was going back for his sunglasses or something at the, the bodyguard house. Classic more. move. Classic move. You ever do the old left behind? You ever leave the <laughs> the sun uh, the sunglasses somewhere just so you get the uh, the old call back? What I like to do, Tom, is I like to leave too much money in the offering plate at church and then have to come <laughs> back around and be like, "Hey, I put too much in. Can I take some back?" And then sometimes, not proud of it, you take more out of it than what you put in. More investing advice from Julian at <laughs> teambingepodcast at gmail.com. You can email me. I'll send you the newsletter. Um, please don't steal from churches and libraries. That would be <laughs> the big lesson I've learned in life. Um, anyways, uh, we, we get a great moment here. Uh, no, 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 no. We get a bad moment here. Rupert being just a terrible human while he's talking to Rebecca. And every time, I just want Rebecca, and I know this isn't very lasso, this is not lasso level 7, 8, 10, whatever it is, but she should just punch him in the face. I truly believe Rebecca could break Rupert in a thousand different ways, physically. Facts. Facts. For sure. Yeah, and Rupert's just being the worst. He, like, has that line about, oh, I'm just like any man. I get bored with the same old, same old. Just, like, he just can't not be a jerk and... Again, I don't I don't know if we needed more of this. We already know he's a jerk, but I guess it's a new season. You've got to give some more just misogynistic jerk lines. But um, I love how Zava kind of like comes in very briefly here because he's going to the bathroom and he's like, it's an honor for you to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> that is a line uh, that you should start using. I would, I would uh, appreciate it if the next time we meet new people, you use that line, please. We'll do. We'll do. Rebecca... Not to be outdone, follows Zava into the men's room and yells at him in the urinal. <laughs> and Hannah Waddingham just turns it up to 11 and does a great <laughs> job. Very funny. Good. I don't love a lot of urinal humor. I like urine. <laughs> I feel like urinals are a sacred space where a person should not be bothered. You know, no one should be like, hey, that's a nice watch you're wearing while you're using the urinal. <laughs> the. So. But still a very funny moment. Well, I mean, it has to be said that Zava here is a, a true professional, and you can just see it in his urinal technique. I mean, no hands. He has great control of his stream. You know, throughout yep. the conversation, he's stopping, he's going. I mean, it's just, it's impressive. So yep. I get why people are in love with this guy. Yep. You'd think he would do very well in a conversation with Ike Barinholtz and <laughs> uh, Xavier, is that his name, from the after party? Yes, yes, that would be fantastic. Another yes. great peeing contest. Uh, so many good <laughs> peeing contests. We cut from this bathroom where Zava has been chastised for his uh, asparagus. 
consumption, which I'm just <laughs> going to go out. Asparagus is terrible. I don't care what you try to dress it up as. Asparagus is one of the worst vegetables. Um, you can uh, add us at Team Binge on Twitter if you love asparagus. If you're an asparagus farmer, I apologize. Become an avocado farmer. I would <laughs> definitely get on board with that. But we're, we cut to the field, and this is a great callback from the, I guess, the one shot on goal. Is one shot on goal and a half, is that common, Tom, or is that just like terrible football? Because they mention during the halftime show when U2 is playing and they're in the locker room that uh, Rojas accidentally had one shot on goal with his face. Um, <laughs> and is that normal? How many shots on goal? I, I feel like, no. I know it's not hockey, but one seems extremely low, like comically low. Yeah, one is low. I mean, you obviously want to get as many shots as you can on frame. And as yeah, as my wife would say, like that is my number one pet peeve when guys are not putting the ball on frame. You got to put it on frame. Give it a chance to go in. Guys that skyrocket balls over, not for me. But yeah, one one shot on frame is not not fantastic, especially no. if it comes off the face. Yep. And you miss 100% of the goals you don't shoot. That's Michael <laughs> Scott. You nailed it, Wayne Gretzky. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but we see the score, which is off Danny Rojas's face. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Listen, there is something about the way they CGI a soccer ball hitting someone in the face. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, but there's an old comedic group that I think is out of like BYU, and they do the oh, soccer Scott one. Scott Sterling. Yes, yeah, Scott Sterling. <laughs> Just getting hit in the face with a soccer ball repeatedly. <laughs> That clip is outrageously funny. Like, anyways, that's what this reminded me of. But they celebrate the tie because you can tie in soccer and it doesn't start mm-hmm. the apocalypse, correct? It's a big, yeah, that's a big point against one of the big teams in the in the Premier League that they were not uh, destined to do very well in. Um, and I do like that we get the cut of Rebecca then coming back to the stands and then Higgins asking like, oh, well, did you, did you sweet talk him? And he's like, no, 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 I, what's the opposite of that? And then Keeley coming in with uh, sour yell? I like that. I Which like is a great yellow. way of describing what she did to Zava in the urinal. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Did you see this coming? We have the press conference of Zava, and uh, he ends up, spoilers, not joining Chelsea or West Ham, but he joins Richmond, even though I don't think they've told him a number or any type of contract stuff. So <laughs> I feel like we're overcommitting a little bit soon. Mm-hmm. But did you think he was going to end up with Richmond? I feel like after Rebecca kind of flipped the script a little bit and kind of threw the gauntlet and challenged him, it kind of made it seem like, yeah, that was going to be the, the twist to this, especially as, as happy as Rupert was watching from his phone and his limo or whatever uh, to see him get foiled here was was great. And again, I think the dynamic and how it's going to change this team, you know, for the better or the worse, I think will be interesting to watch. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'll be on record. I don't think this is going to be a good time. It would be funny if the show is just like <laughs> Zava shows up and he's like huge on mental health and he's like a great team, like teammate, and <laughs> right? Goes out of his way, and uh, that would be the surprising twist of this show, which I would appreciate. But it feels like Jamie's once again kind of the last guy on board here, or at least skeptical. Mm-hmm. Well, and even cut to him and his line is like, oh, the fans are not going to like this. And then they cut to the locker room or, or not the locker room, but what the, the pub and everybody's cheering. They're yeah. doing Zava chants already. Uh, so they're digging it. And he seems upset. And like we mentioned throughout the whole episode, every mention of Zava, Jamie is a little bit skeptic. So I'm sure the two of them are going to go at it in the next episode or two. 
Sure, sure. We're in the coach's office. Roy dramatically sets the article on fire, and then he blows the ashes away, and they float out the window, <laughs> and then they turn into doves, uh, and then one dove is flying with an olive branch in its mouth, and then we fade to black as the word peace and love <laughs> cuts across the screen. Um, I think that's how it ended. I don't know. I was pretty drunk. Um, no. <laughs> Roy tears up the article and then has a conversation with Trent Krim and Ted where he talks about his last year at Chelsea and like slowing down and like realizing he's slowing down. Mm-hmm. And his decision was rather than be like one of those old guys that plays too long, which I don't watch the Premier League, but I see this in uh, the NFL all the time. They just hold on too long. And so mm-hmm. he decided to, like, su- he surprised everyone and bounced. Uh, and Ted makes some comment about, you know, some people would rather quit than be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess I, I'm interested on your thoughts on how you read into this. Because Roy's, like, final comment is, you know, as I was there today, like in the stadium at Chelsea, I thought maybe I should have stayed and just enjoyed myself. Like, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't playing at my peak, I should have, ju- I could have stayed. I would have enjoyed myself, just like accepted where I was in my career. And he's like, but that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And Ted very, very nicely says, not yet, uh, mm. showing the, you know, the, the growth. And so, the only thing I could, I mean, the only parallels I could draw from this is I think Roy is going to leave Richmond and go play for Chelsea. And that's exactly <laughs> uh, what these parallels are. Am I right, Tom? Is that what I was supposed to draw from this conversation? I don't, I don't think so. And, and I probably didn't catch this on my first watch. Like the idea, like, and even Trent Krim says it at the end, very end here about like sport being the metaphor. And it certainly is because and it's more so with Keeley and, and their relationship of, Roy is because we still haven't really gotten an answer as to why Roy is pushing Keeley away, but he is. So just like he kind of pushed Chelsea away and didn't enjoy himself, even though it might have been challenging and a tough uh, moment, he chose to to quit and and to move on and do something else. And I think that's kind of what he's doing with with Keeley now. So I, I like this little parallel that they kind of draw, and I think ultimately it will be Roy recognizing that yeah he's not this person now he wasn't this person when he left Chelsea but you know Ted saying not yet you you know you still can't turn this around you know make things better with Keeley and you know enjoy yourself and and the time that you have with with Richmond sure yeah if she leaves you in the end you know but you can enjoy the time you spend together that's mm-hmm. uh that's a great great point uh they can be pandas and lions together <laughs> good callback it was a great episode. I laughed a lot. I enjoyed it on the second watch. Once again, it just felt like classic lasso. And so um, we talked about it at the top. But I really I really enjoyed this episode, and I hope this is how the rest of the season goes in terms of just the themes. And, and uh, this is why we love... We love Lasso. And to your point, you did, I mean, and now that you think about it, like Ted is not in a lot of this episode. No. Um, but when he is in there, we see him being, you know, that force for good, like, mm-hmm. you know, directing Roy to make things right with Trent, uh, this last conversation. Um, and I think there's an interesting beat at the end where, where like Jason Sudeikis is kind of, 
like we didn't have the question of why am I here? I think he mm -hmm. can almost see like these conversations as why he's still needed here. And to your point, mm -hmm. maybe they'll get to a point where they don't need him and he can go back to Henry. But no, I, I, I very much enjoyed this. Yeah, it was great. And to your point, like, I think this the first two episodes, they've really dialed up the humor and the jokes. And we've always loved the, the season one jokes and being peppered in and letting guys like Roy, guys like Beard, guys like Jamie just play and, and have their, their fun little one-liners and quips. And having all these characters together so often has been fun. Um, and there is not a storyline currently going on that I am not in for outside of maybe some of the Nate stuff. So to your point, that's probably why we like this episode the most because it didn't focus on the hatred or whatever it is that, that Nate's bringing to the table now. But yeah. I'm sure he'll be back. Nate's Death Star. He's just so poopy. Um, <laughs> anyways, thank you for those of you uh, that are still listening. We appreciate you. Those of you that engage and, and connect with us. Uh, we very much uh, like hearing from you. You can reach out to us if you haven't at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Tom will talk through the other social media stuff since I am currently on a <laughs> two-week ban um, based on my Justice Department. And that's not coming from Tom. That's coming from the Justice Department. Um, they apparently didn't want me to bring up the Dent Act. But uh, Tom, where else can they reach us? Yes, find us on Instagram, find us at Twitter, at Team Binge, or at Team Binge Podcast, continue the conversation. Um, like again, we've had some loyal listeners reaching out to us uh, throughout the first couple episodes here. Uh, it's been a gas, and can't wait for, for more. And I think we've got, what, 12 episodes in this season? So we've got a, we've got a ride. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and even though these have been between 40 and 50 minutes, they don't feel like a slog. Like, they mm -hmm. move quick. They're, you know, a lot of rapid-fire jokes. So I am appreciating that, and I don't feel like it's dragging at all, which is wonderful. Speaking mm -hmm. of dragging and things that are terrible, if you would like to support us, we do have some <laughs> paraphernalia. Um, is paraphernalia the right word? It doesn't matter. We have stuff at T Public. That's T E E Public. Um, you can get some of our merchandise with the Team Binge stuff on it. And uh, I have one. It's very comfortable. I cut the sleeves and the midriff off and I mow my yard in it. Um, the neighbors have complained, but the Justice Department told me I am all good. So. Just to be fair, they did not complain about your shirt, just how low you cut it. Yes, yes. Okay. And it might have been the pants that I turned into cut-off jean shorts uh, and my never new ballast. My Yes, my never nude. Uh, there's dozens of us. Anyways, uh, the next episode that we will be uh, talking about is Season 3, Episode 3 of Ted Lasso. And Tom, it is called? Zava, Nice Day. Zava, nice day. Zava's day. I love it. All right. I have been Julian. And I've been Coach Tom. Until next time, everybody.